From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Tonight, we're going to take something new and put a vintage twist on it. And we're going to take something old and put something brand new on it. And you're going to have a lot of fun as you get to know our singer-songwriter guest, Belle Jewell. She is singing and playing guitar, some of uh, great covers of a variety of different artists and styles. I think you're going to be really surprised how wide she has cast her net. She's working on her very first album. She appeared on NBC's The Voice, got up to the top 20 before she returned home to start working on her own music career, has performed and shared the stage with Alex Boyer and The Strike at the Stadium of Fire Final Four concert. If you check the number one, number two, or number three indie charts in Provo any given time, she is in one of those first, second, or third places. You're going to really enjoy hearing from Belle Jewel. Let's start with one of the covers. This is inspiration from Regina Spector. Here is Belle Jewel with an acoustic version of Us. They made a statue of us Then put it on a mountain top The tourists come and stare at us Blow bubbles with their gum Take photographs, have fun, have fun They'll name a city after us And later say it's all our fault They'll give us a talking to, then they'll give us a talking to, cause they've got years of experience. We're living in a den of thieves, rummaging for answers in the pages. contagious and it's contagious and it's contagious and it's contagious we wear our scars just like a noose Cause we want eternal sleep And though our parts are slightly used No one's a slave labor you can keep We're living in a den of thieves Rummaging for answers 
That's Us, cover of Us by Bell Jewel singing and playing guitar for us live on Highway 89 here in Studio 6. Bell Jewel, thank you so much for coming and performing for us. Of course, it's my pleasure. You know, it's interesting. uh, I know you've been singing since a very early age. And that's not really uncommon with excellent musicians that they started early, but you never hear neurosurgeons say, oh, yeah, I started neurosurgery <laughs> right. about age three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something sort of magical about music that you can do it even when you're really young. What are your first memories of doing something musical? Um, one of my very first memories of putting on a show for people and singing for people, I was probably three or four years old, and I gathered my entire family to come watch me perform on the stage, which was just the tile on the fireplace and I would stand there and I'd be like watch me sing watch me sing listen to me and I just I have always loved um performing for people and putting on a show it's always been one of my passions was the audience hard to gather or were they cooperative (laughs) surprisingly it was like herding cats but I mean that's a (laughs) four-year-old's memory so who knows I love this quote from something you wrote online before I could speak full sentences I would be singing songs to people pretty much pretty telling so uh, a lot of people may have shared that same first stage of the tile fireplace. It just does seem like a focal point, and usually right. there's some good lighting there. So you yeah. were probably unconsciously aware of what a stage needed. But you started studying uh, at, at BYU, and you were actually pursuing music to some degree, weren't you? I was. I was getting ready to apply for the commercial music program, actually. And then something made you decide... I'm going to pursue this independently. And what was that thing or some event? For me, I remember sitting in my dorm and being, I was getting ready for a show and I was like, I don't even, I don't have time to do music and put my entire heart into this. And how do I know if I want to be pursuing music at school if I haven't even done it in the real world yet? So that's kind of what made me decide that I needed to do music in the field rather than in a classroom. And not just that, but you moved. I did, yeah. So tell us about that just a bit. Shortly after that, I decided to pack up and move to New York because it had always been one of my dreams of mine to live there. Mm -hmm. So I just decided to do it. (laughs) And what what did you learn from that, from being in a new place? uh, Did that spark new songs? I definitely learned that New York is a tough place, but it's also as incredible as everyone says it is. And it really forced me to dig down deep and find the parts of myself that really were involved in my art and learn about those. So New York was an incredible place to learn about myself, for sure. 
Yeah. You had some pretty incredible experiences, I'm sure, then in Los Angeles mm -hmm. performing on The Voice. Yeah. I, I, I want to mention to our listeners, because you may not bring this up, but you don't just send in your audition to The Voice. They find you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of a compliment even to be invited to come participate. Exactly. So I'm wondering... Uh, when you go, before you get the, the superstars and the chairs and you want to get somebody to turn around, who do you perform for initially when they call you in? So you would go in and perform for a team of producers. And that was almost more intimidating than singing for the judges because all you see is a bunch of lights and 50 people with clipboards just <laughs> writing down everything that you do. So it was really intimidating. Yeah. But I loved uh, we read that you told yourself something before you went in to sing for them. What was that? Um, I told myself that I was just going to be myself and let my passion for what I do come through. And that really, I feel like, is what carried me through that audition. How do you how do you think that particular one went? Do you, did you feel more relaxed once you had kind of mentally done that? I definitely did. I mean, I went out there and I was like, a voice is a voice and what's behind it is what matters. And so I just need to be raw and vulnerable with that. And it went well. Yeah. So we're doing some great covers, a huge variety of covers tonight. But mm -hmm. we, we are going to sneak in one original. Yeah. I'd love you to set up River. Okay. So... River was written about a boy, surprise, surprise, and this was one of the first songs I wrote where I felt like I was truly expressing myself as an artist and as a person, and ever, I mean, normally when I write an original, I hide it away in a closet and no one ever hears it, but this is one of the few that I have kind of brought up to the surface. <laughs> a line from this song says, concert halls and a coffee house, friends I'll say, what's this about? Mm -hmm. Is that reflecting... It, thoughts of real friends like yeah w what is she doing yeah confusing to them yeah and it was mostly about this boy that I was with and um going on all these dates together and yeah yeah <laughs> my friends were kind of confused good well let's hear River we want to hear this original go ahead awesome. uh, just grab your guitar here let you hop back on the stool we're going to be listening to Belle Jewel and she'll be singing an original song. There's actually a YouTube video from this you can find, and it's included on the soundtrack of a recent movie release, Once I Was a Beehive. I'm 17 and you're so old With hair on your chin and a heart of gold Concert halls in a coffee house My friends all say, what's this about? So we drove to the river and the moonshine like silver, but our timing was wrong. Three years come and gone. Now it's November and your granddad's old sweater. But time and still wrong one year just hold on 
coast and I want the city, but that's okay, cause you think I'm pretty. Desert River, an original song by Belle Jewel, performing here on Highway 89. Yes, there's a video performance of that song we just heard, also at Belle Jewel Music on YouTube. Nice to hear an original. Thanks for sneaking that in of for course. us. Of course, you're welcome. YouTube is really interesting, and you have been making use of this. This is a way that you can actually connect with your audience, and there's no middleman. There's no producer saying, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. You kind of choose it. Exactly. You it. And what I really wanted to ask about, it's so direct, but uh, you love to perform, but this is a chance for you to put out something. You're not even there when you're performing yeah, on yeah. YouTube, but people, there is an audience one by one, and how do you connect with, with that audience when, when it's sort of long distance, even separated yeah. by time? I think I really try to, even when my YouTube videos are like produced and recorded, I try really hard to make them as authentic as possible. Like if my hair is out of place or if my voice cracks or something happens, I really just, I want to leave it as open as possible so people really feel like they're watching me perform. Mm. That it's not this big pre-produced lip syncing. Exactly. All of that. Yeah. It, I was really impressed with one of them where I thought, man, this isn't even, there's not even any reverb. This is just the room. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, that's pretty brave. Not everybody is that brave. <laughs> well, thank you. Here's, here's a quote I loved. It said, I can tell I'm connecting when I see someone in the audience we make eye contact. I can tell 
we're feeling the same thing. Yeah. What is it you feel when you're performing for people and connecting live? So I, something that really means a lot to me is when I can look out at an audience and even if everyone else is on their phones, like it doesn't matter as long as there's one person that's looking right at me and you can tell that they're thinking about something, there's something going on inside of their head. Hmm. And that is like, that means so much to me when I perform. So I mentioned a whole bunch of covers. Mm -hmm. You did this interesting experiment, 10 days of unedited, unedited, unplugged covers, all done in one take. What made you think, I should do this? Mostly it was so that I could get content out before I went on The Voice um, because I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to release content. But I also thought it would be a really good opportunity for me to get out of my comfort zone and just let people hear whatever comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, that's very brave. Thank you. So something else, uh, the fact that they were all in one take, you know we're big fans of that here on Highway mm -hmm. 89. Yeah. This is all unedited live. <laughs> if you drop your guitar, we just hear a big clunk. Yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> knock, on, knock on Rosewood. Yeah. So you're also starting to teach lessons. So what made you think, okay, now I'll do this other scary thing? So, I mean, starving artists are a real thing, and... Um, a local musician, actually, Robert Loud, kind of inspired me to find a way to support myself doing music. And whether it's performing or writing for other people, but I really wanted to give teaching a try. So I just figured, why not? Do you yeah. think you've learned more about what you do by teaching people? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now I'm very excited about this. You are going to France, I understand. I am. <laughs> yeah. And how did you find... This incredible song, I have to tell you, my wife is the first English speaker in a French-speaking family oh, awesome. from Quebec, and La Vie en Rose, we always say it's our song, us and 10 million other <laughs> yeah. couples in the world. How did you find this song? So I have always been super passionate about the French language for some reason, and my French teacher recommended her to me just to get an ear for French music and the French language and pronunciation, and I just kind of fell in love, and I was like, I have to learn this song. So, Man, yeah. you, he picked the right one, or she picked the yeah. right one to write. I mean, this is like the singer of, of France. Absolutely, yeah. Let's hear La Vie en Rose. I'm so excited to hear this, uh, a guitar vocal version. Of course, Edith Piaf made it very famous, first released in 1947, sang it so many times, and there are couples everywhere around the world that the moment they hear those opening chords and opening words have to grab hands, put their foreheads together, and just be in love. Des yeux qui font baisser les mains sous sa bouche voilà les portraits sans retouche de Louis-Je Patiens. Quand on me prend dans ses bras, de mes palais tout bas, je vois la vie en rose. Il me dit des mots d'amour, des mots les tous les jours. Faisons que quelque chose Il est entré dans mon cœur On n'est pas des bonheurs Dont j'ai connu la cause C'est lui pour moi Ma pluie dans la vie Il me l'a dit la Close. 
loosen, hold me fast. This magic spell you cast. This is la vie en rose. When you kiss me, heaven sighs, and though I close my eyes, I see la vie en rose. When you press me to your heart, I'm in a world apart, a world where roses bloom. And when you speak, angels sing from above. Everyday words seem to turn into love songs. So give your heart and soul to me. Vian Rose, The Life of Roses, made famous by Edith Piaf, beautifully sung there by Belle Jewell. Belle, I have to tell you, it's interesting. You do make that your own. I can hear a little bit of modern inflection, but there's still that purity of tone, the Thank way you. you do that, that kind of was also her trademark. Thank really you so much. So lots of singers listen to tons of music. Sometimes I'm surprised. I'll see an article like 10 songs that inspired me this year, mm-hmm. and a country artist will list all of these songs I never would yeah. have thought they would listen to, or vice versa. A hip-hop artist who, who says, well, I was going back to some old Charlie Pride, and I right. think, what? Wait a minute. Where did that come from? So has it always been that way for you, just this big, wide variety of music? Where did you get exposed to all of this? My parents raised me on anything and everything. Um, I grew up on a lot of The Cure and Bjork and... Gwen Stefani, no, like no doubt, and just tons and tons of music, gorillas, lots of diverse um, tastes and styles, and really raised me with an appreciation of it all. Now, back when some of those artists were first releasing, like your parents and folks like me, I mean, we would <laughs> save up, we'd buy an album because you had to buy the whole album. Yeah. <laughs> unless there was just one single. Right. And so most of your exposure was the albums you owned or maybe your friends owned. Mm-hmm. Now it's like a fire hose. Every yeah. every and it's not only that, but there's a video for everything. So in the middle of all of that, how do you find out who you are as an artist? Because you're bombarded, I think, artists today like nobody ever was before. Absolutely. There's so much coming in and so much coming out. And I think that the real artists of today are people that really are centered in who they are first before they go out and share it with everyone. And that's, I feel like something that everyone has to learn and that I'm still learning about myself. So yeah, you really just have to step back from it all to find out what you can put out there that's genuine. Now somebody, somebody described you not too long ago as a vintage indie artist. <laughs> and I wondered, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I love all vintage styles. You know, I, I, I love vintage music. I love indie music. And I, I think my loves of both of those have come together to make a style that I call my own. So I have to ask you, because you're very visually and artistically aware, I think part of your performance, I mean, I think all the different things you do with your hair even is part of, uh, as <laughs> much you. a part of your singing as, and, and uh, you make clothes, you make jewelry, you you have put tufts of fake fur on everything from the boots you're wearing right yeah. now. <laughs> to, how, how did you get started in this? 
Um, I don't really know. I mean, my mom has incredible fashion sense, but I have always loved expressing myself in every single outlet possible, like whether that's performing or dressing myself or designing a room. I love wearing my art on my sleeve, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Is there some artist who will show up wearing essentially the same thing mm-hmm. and then a red hat when it's Christmas time? Right. Yeah, that's definitely not me. <laughs> that's not you because no. every video I have seen, it's like, oh, this looks like the sister of that other girl I just yeah. saw. <laughs> <laughs> so you are having fun. You actually make and sell designer necklaces and, and other things like that. Very interesting. I'm actually wearing one right now. Yeah. Very nice. Daisies? Daisies. Yeah. So tell me about this cover we're going to hear. We're going to hear a pair of songs. Uh, but first, I want you to talk about The Minnow and the Trout. So this song was written by an artist that I have always looked up to ever since I, I think I was like 11 when I first kind of discovered her and her writing style. And the way that she writes and gets gets emotion across is really something that I have been striving for in my work. Good. Well, let's hear this first of a couple of, a pair of covers. We're going to start off with Minnow and the Trout from A Fine Frenzy. You're listening to Highway 89, live performance of Belle Jewel. Sí. 
Jewel performing live here on Highway 89, Minnow and the Trout. You know, we mentioned at the very beginning that we're going to be hearing uh, old twists on something new and a new twist on something old. Here's one of the older songs from the day. It's Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. And of course, Johnny Cash, once he sang that, he owned it. It was just, it became just inevitably, eternally bonded with who he was. But it means a lot to me to know that it was written by his wife, June Carter Cash, and she knew wherever she spoke. It was not easy to live with or be married to Johnny Cash. So here is a whole new take on that, Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire oh I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down 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 in the flames Burns, burns, the ring of fire, the ring of fire. The taste of love is sweet when hearts like ours meet. I fell for you like a child. Oh, but the fire went wild Oh, I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down in the flames they got higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire, the ring of fire Oh, I fell into a burning ring of fire flames they got higher and it burns 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 the ring of fire the ring of fire that's a ring of fire 
Originally by June Carter Cash, sung by Johnny Cash, and performed today live by Belle Jewel here on Highway 89. Love is not always easy. Here's something Belle wrote on a website once. I love this. It said, I was trying to get rid of a spider because I was scared, and then my dog walked up and ate it. And I think that's true love right there. Maybe there's a song there. I don't know. <laughs> there's already so. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Perhaps she'll die. Maybe there's already a song about that. Bill's mother is Sherry Lyon, and she has, is such a good sport. Sherry, thank you for being willing to talk with us. You're welcome. You're in a very interesting position, not only mother of our performer today, but also manager or momager, yes. as I heard described as we were setting up. Now, years ago, when she gathered everybody to the tile in front of the fireplace, you probably did not envision this. You know, we actually, she has always been a performer, and she's loved to sing, she's loved to dance, she's loved to act, and, and it, that wasn't surprising that, that she ended up doing one of those things, because that has always been a love for a very long time. And it sounds like it was a very, very creative environment in the home. Yes, we do. We have a very creative home. My husband is a visual artist, and so there's always been art and music and, and museums, and we've drug our kids through museums all over the world, and that's... You know, artists of any kind have a real problem when their kids want to do the same thing because they don't really have a leg to stand on when they say, yeah. um, could you do something else? Yeah. No, it was, you know, it was great. We Howard's family and parents were always very supportive of him wanting to be an artist and, and not all parents are. And, and it is hard, you know, when you know what's ahead of them and the work that's going to be required, it's hard to, to give them your blessing and say, go for it. And but at the same time, she's watched her dad and she's watched that career. And, and it is always a building process. It's always a growing process. And and you have to be a little bit vulnerable, too. So she's seen that. She knew what she was getting herself into. And I have the idea that you saw that she not only had talent, but that she had the drive. Yes. She's always been a very um, intense personality. And she's always been a really uh, motivated person when it's something that she wants she usually makes makes sure that she gets it how she wants it. So. so do you have to actually wear two hats and say, okay, mom hat, watch, I'm changing now, now I yeah. manage your hat. How do you keep those straight and have a, a, a continuing relationship? Yeah, you know, it's her dad is a big part of what she does too. He actually does most of her producing and everything. He does a lot of her video work. Um, and I think it's been good because it's, I think she's been able to trust us, you know, in some of the decisions that we suggest and help her make um, because she knows it is a team effort and so she's been able to see the things that we maybe kind of stand firm on mm -hmm. and and I think sometimes she's been willing to let us be the parents and the and the managers nice sherry lyon manager and mom momager which is a great yes. new title i love that <laughs> bell i have a question about this for you so whose idea was this did it just naturally evolve or did you say mom you ought to do this or did mom say what if I do this? How did that happen? So I think it. I think this whole music thing started smaller than both of us kind of expected. So she was just kind of the one. Um, you know, I was 15 when I started doing gigs, so she wanted to be there with me, and I couldn't drive, so she took me everywhere. And then it just kind of evolved, and she's been my teammate and momager and mom through all of it. Nice. Well, the next song is a cover that you have totally changed from from the way it started off but i want to ask there was a fan who wrote on your page didn't even recognize this song so different from the original which is so cool i love the stripped down version the bell version you're an incredible artist thank you 
And he, here was, <laughs> I really like this one. It said, I could listen to you all day, even if it was a single about balancing a checkbook. <laughs> listener, I liked that comment. Yeah. Listener Jessica, pretty cool. Well, set up Oblivion. Tell me about this. So um, Grimes is one of my biggest inspirations. She's just, I think she's an incredible artist. She's an, she's an artist in the way that I strive to be an artist and that she wears her art on her sleeve, like I said. And she's so real from what you from what you can see anyways. And the um, video for this, it looks like she's got a team shooting her doing the video yeah. at a football stadium yeah. with a football game going on. Monster and nobody else and... knows that they're not in on that <laughs> yeah. we're making a video secret. They, You see people look like, whoa. What's she doing? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I love that about her. Yeah, she's super, <laughs> super stylistic in the way that she goes about making music videos and stuff. Nice. Well, let's hear... Let's hear Oblivion, Canadian singer-songwriter known as Grimes. We're going to hear the stripped-down acoustic version, a whole other view of this, a different feeling on the song from Belle Jewel. Another walk about after dark It's my point of view Someone could break your neck Coming up behind you Always coming and you never have a clue Wait. 
Bill Jewell performing live here in Studio 6. Oblivion is the name of the song, Canadian singer-songwriter known as Grimes. And we're going to hear another one from a whole other area of music. Gnarls Barkley, he is not a female Canadian singer-songwriter, let's say that. We're going to hear Bill Jewell's version of his Crazy. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind There was something so pleasant about that face Even your emotions had an echo in so much space When you're out there without care, yeah, I was out of touch but it wasn't because I didn't know enough I just knew too much Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? Probably Crazy on Highway 89, coming to you live where you're always on Highway 89. Hear the music live. It's one time through, no retakes, no redos. And we also really love the artists who will come in and are willing to perform that way. Belle, thank you very much. Absolutely. Nice to hear that. Now, this made me smile. You have a pet rat. I do have a pet <laughs> you, rat. You called yeah. your little supervillain. She is a little supervillain. Yeah. And, and her name? Rhiannon. Rian of course. Why yeah. would you not name your... Where right? did you, can, can I guess where you got the name? Yeah, Fleetwood Mac. Yep. Okay, mom and dad get credit maybe for introducing yeah. you. <laughs> Definitely. Does she ever go on tour? Um, she doesn't. She's not very good in the car. She actually chewed my boyfriend's seatbelt all the way through. So, oh, so you've tried yeah. this. Oh, we've tried. Yeah, we've tried. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about what different places have given to you. You wrote recently that the past year was quite a year. You mentioned New York and Italy. And mm -hmm. talk to me about you, what you felt those places and being there did for you. I think that when you travel to a new place, like a place that you've never been before, you really realize how small you are and how much there is out there. And then when you come back to your comfort zone and you're, you come back to your home or wherever that may be, you reflect on all of that and you take that experience and you, um, you grow yourself with that. 
Do you think you, you wrote differently from those experiences? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I wrote with a bigger audience in mind. And I feel like traveling really allows you to look into the minds of people in totally different situations. So I love that you wrote that Italy taught me how important the arts are. Yeah. Which you'd think somebody in your shoes would already know. But what did it bring up to mind? What did that do? It was just fascinating to see these um, sculptures and paintings and just incredible buildings and works of art that have been around for such a long time and are respected by so many people. And it made me want to create art that people respect in the same way. I mean, I'll never create something as beautiful as some of the arts in Italy, but um, I think that every artist should strive to make their work timeless. Nice. Well, tell me about what I wouldn't do and why you thought I got to cover this. So this song is just, it's so bubbly and it is so, it has such a sweet and cute message. And I always, I love ending my shows and concerts on a happy note like this. Well, good. I'm glad we're ending this show. That's it. We'll keep the tradition alive. Yeah, here. Go ahead. We're going to hear Belle Jewel grabbing her guitar. This is from A Fine Frenzy. It's What I Wouldn't Do. We'll go out with this one. You can find more information about Belle and her latest projects online at bellejewelmusic.com. If we were children, I would bake you a mud pie Warm and brown beneath the sun Never learned to climb a tree, but I would try Just to show you what I'd done Oh, what I wouldn't do if I had you, babe I had you Oh, what I wouldn't do if I had you, babe be older but I would crawl up on your lap wrap a blanket round our frail little shoulders and I'd die happily like that oh what I wouldn't do if I had you babe I had you oh what I wouldn't do if I had you small of my back and I will kiss you like a king I will be your bride I'll keep you warm night and I will sing I will sing ooh, ooh, Someone got hurt Oh, what I wouldn't do If I had you, babe I had you Oh, what I wouldn't do 
That's what I wouldn't do, a fine frenzy performed there live by Bell Jewel singing, playing guitar. As I mentioned, you can go ahead and find more information about Bell's latest projects. And believe me, there is always a new project online at belljewelmusic.com, B-E-L-L-E. Bell, thank you for singing today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank so, you so much. So nice to have you do this for us. Thank if you. you're listening at home or just caught part of the show or you'd like to hear the first part, hear it again or share it, it's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89 and follow us on Twitter at byuh89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. The show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening. <laughs>